We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC's Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And we're here because this week in our recap podcast, we always have this tradition. When the Bills lose, we talk about people who had it worse than than Buffalo and you will rattle off a team or two or a group of people or a celebrity, just people who are getting two hand tomahawk dunked on that makes us feel better because we're bad people. Matthew Perry. <laughs> See, there's the, the hits just keep coming. And if you hear that laughter, that's Christian Simonelli, our first guest, because the theme of tonight's show is everyone in the AFC East like, to quote one of my favorite movies of all time, Full Metal Jacket, it's a big old shit sandwich, we're all going to take a bite. That's what we're doing here tonight as the AFC East. Everyone lost, everyone's upset about it, and I can't wait to bathe in other people's misery as a way of making myself feel better. There's no better place to start than talking about the New England Patriots with Mr. Christian Simonelli. Christian, I wish... So, so now you you said before that you're more of a when adverse situations present themselves in a football game, you're more of a blank stare kind of a guy. You just kind of like like almost like you're numb and you just don't speak or move. What was your reaction to the Mac Jones interception to end that game? <laughs> uh, I actually got really mad. <laughs> <laughs> Because of because of all the weeks of sitting there with blank stares, and you know now we're in uh, essentially week nine, and he's still making the bad reads. He still uh, has poor footwork, his mechanics, and he uh, are terrible. And he speeds up as soon as somebody even breathes on him. So just I mean, just to, again, 
another game with a turnover, uh, and they lose surprise uh, seven losses. All of them he's turned the ball over. So, um, yeah, I just and, – and by the way, according to reports today, Albert Breer, uh, take it for what it's worth, uh, people inside the building, quote, are just absolutely disgusted with him, uh, him being Mac Jones and his poor decision-making. And apparently he lost the defense a long time ago because the defense kept telling him, kid, you can't make plays like that. And now the offense, uh, and particularly the coaching staff, are all just like, you know, they're basically done with him. So, um that's okay. We only have eight more games to go. I was going to say, it's not even the end of the year. Like, hey, the Bills are reaching a point where we may have to punt soon, too. It's just crazy to think that the Patriots are here now. Even the Cam Newton year, when everyone could point and go, that's not going to work. At least you guys were competitive into late November. You were still being talked about as maybe a fringe playoff team. Like, things hadn't really fallen apart yet for you. No, it was it wasn't fun by any means, but it you at least tuned in and, and you were like, well, okay, so let's see what they do this week, and you know maybe they'll they'll, they'll uh, you know they'll move the ball again and they'll score some points and and you know you know they'll get some turnovers and you were at least tuning in saying, okay, you know it's it's you know what's worth it's worth watching, and I really don't know what to expect. I know what to expect with this team; they're going to lose. It just just depends on how they're going to lose. How? It's just like, how demoralizing will this one be? How can they surprise me this week? I mean, keep in mind, they just played a team who is outright tanking, traded in two defensive players prior. Um, Like, so. (laughs) Yeah, to know that the team. so, So just to look at the box score. To know that this team traded away two of its young premier defensive end talents. And then when you take a look at the defensive statistics and you see how that went, and you say to yourself, okay, well, they didn't get much in the tackle for loss department. They only had one quarterback hit. It wasn't terrible. They didn't get, you know, they they should have had a sack. And you know it. You know that that was a sack, you son of a bitch. I want to hear you admit it. Of course it was. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So they had some, like, they didn't get a ton of pressure, obviously because you're playing backup defensive linemen. But at the same time, there wasn't, like, there was no glaring. They didn't look overmatched by your offensive line, which is a problem. That in and of itself is a problem that I think speaks more to the construction of that unit, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, make no mistake about it. This game was not lost on a, a, a stellar defensive performance by Washington with, you know, uh, you know, uh, intense pressure or complex schemes. I mean, guys were blanketed because nobody on the offense can get open. And, to, you know, to, to, and, and that is, again, that's sort of a, hey, look at what you've surrounded Mac with. But at the same time, Mac continues to make poor decisions, poor throws, um, and not just on the turnover part of it, but like missing guys wide open. Um, and guys drop balls on them too. Like sure. it's, it's there's, there's plenty of blame to go around. Like, and I'm not, and I just, this, this, this is just a total side rant, but like, I, I can't stand Twitter in weeks like this because I see like PFF has a tweet that City So was like the number one ranked offensive lineman of the week. And I'm like, I just, I can't, like, I can't do it this week. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't do PFF this week, guys. So I had to block them. 
Maybe I'll unblock them, but I had to block them because I just, I'm like, I can't. I go, how could someone with a brain tweet this? <laughs> like, of all weeks, please, <laughs> just well, go away. <laughs> so I don't know if you've peeped our Twitter. Uh, the, the the graphic that I tweeted, I, I, I don't make memes. I'm a, I'm a meme connoisseur. In fact, I have about 5,000 images saved to my cell phone right now. And it's all just memes of varying offensiveness that I procure from some of the darkest corners of the internet. And I spring them on people. Is this in the one where Aaron Rodgers getting thrown through the window? That oh one. no, there's there's there, the it, it gets far far worse than that. So I tw- oh. I made my own today. I'm not a meme oh. creator, but today I tried my hand at it, and it was Peter Griffin holding Meg's face directly into his butt while he farts, and I put <laughs> that it was the NFL analytics community. And this was just the Bills fans watching our team clearly be terrible, and yet you're trying to tell me all the ways that they're not. That's one of my favorite clips of Family Guy, by the way. <laughs> Go check it out on our Twitter over at Rock Paul Report. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Dying. That's, that's, I did that today. That's what I accomplished today for myself. Well done. So, so it, I understand your pain in that regard. Now I'm sitting here looking at oh, this. Yeah. The team has a decision to make on Mac Jones. Like, his fifth-year option, like, it's coming up. They're going to have to decide what they want to do, but it sounds like the franchise already kind of knows that he might not be it. And I guess that kind of exacerbates the question of what do you do with the coach slash GM if you already know that you're not going to sign up for another year of this quarterback and you're going to be picking one soon. Yeah, it just gets back to what to what I sort of been banging on all year is to just scrap the whole thing and start over fresh and you know de- de- tear it down to the studs. Um, I, in fairness to Mac, Bill Belichick and, and the New England Patriots have done everything that they possibly could to screw up a young quarterback. Three offensive coordinators in three seasons, not surrounding him with even one elite playmaker. Playmaker, and um, I don't know where. Oh, what happened to the third down back on this team? But if you go back and like the annals of New England Patriot history, whether it be Kevin Falk, Shane Vereen, Danny Woodhead, James White, there was always a third down back that was part of this office that would bail the quarterback out, that would bail Brady out. Um, so they've done Mac no favors. Mac is broken. Mac needs a, a change of scenery. I don't see them picking up the option. I don't. People are saying, oh, gee, well, it's still the cheaper option than going out and signing somebody like Kirk Cousins. I don't care. Draft two guys. Draft and then get somebody off the, the, the free agency heap to get you maybe like the first month of the season and hopefully your scouting does, you know, good enough work that you can get a, a serviceable uh, you know, quarterback if you're not picking high, which they'll probably be picking high, so they may have a shot at one of the top guys, but right now, no, I don't see him picking up that option. Eight games, he turns it around. What does turn it around me with this? coaching staff with, with this uh, group of, of, of skill position players. I don't see it. So I just don't see them picking it up. I don't. And, it, and then on the flip side, I don't see Bill Bean. <laughs> so now we're looking at this because <clears throat> this, I guess, is the thing. Like, Mike Florio's an idiot. We can all agree on that. Uh, yep. He posited this whole thing about how, you know, I floated this idea that the Patriots could trade him to the Washington. Fr- they have Eric Bieniemy. Their quarterback, their offense is doing phenomenal right now. For as bad as their defense yep. is, their offense is actually accomplishing things on a week-to-week basis. 
why would you throw into that mix a coach slash GM who can't draft well? Like, you just acquired draft capital. The team you lost to is clearly trying to play for next season. They're already doing it. Mm -hmm. Why would that franchise go out and say, hey, we just got all this extra draft capital. Let's turn this whole thing over to a guy who can't draft for shit. That seems like a good idea. That seems like a great I, yeah. idea. I, I never, I didn't understand the report. Like I don't, unless the new ownership is unbelievably infatuated with Bill Belichick and quote, I mean, hey, Bill Belichick's still a name, obviously, you know, they, but if, if they just took, take a look at it for five minutes, you're right. They have the enemy in house. Like this is an offensive league. Like he's doing a really good job with how McLaren, Dotson, Pringle, like, these guys are, you know, McLaren is the best of the bunch, but I mean, you could see the difference in, 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 in the wide receiver and the skill position players in this game compared to the Patriots. Like, there's the guys that are breaking tackles, getting separation, like, and Howell is, is, is made a terrible mistake through a terrible interception to Kyle Duggar in the end zone, but the kid can move when he needs to on third and 24, <laughs> got 25 yards, yeah. and he passed for over 300 yards, like, he, and the kid can throw the ball. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's an example of an offensive coach who knows how to scheme it, and he's got you know limited personnel around him, and throwing for three hundred yards, going on the road and, and winning a game. Um, I mean, to me, he's like on the road, it, by the it reminds way, me I, of like Kirk just, Cousins. It reminds me, it's like Kirk Cousins yeah. esque. You're a mid round quarterback who's not supposed to succeed, but because right. you've got coaching around you who can kind of promote what you do well, you'll be okay, and he can actually be a serviceable NFL starter, maybe even someday a good one. Meanwhile, on the other Sam side of the Howell, fence, by the way, drafted after Bailey Zappi. Oh, after you know, Bailey like Zappi. Yep. See, that's that's just yep. another dagger in this idea that Billichek deserves another <laughs> shot anywhere at this. It's like, look, everything you do is crap. Stop this, because if you had Sam Howell right now, your team might be in playoff contention. Maybe it's. But so I think I think the final thought that I have for tonight, it, it's actually off the back of a tweet I saw from you today. There's a report that so J.C. Jackson, when he was with the Patriots, he was a star cornerback. He hit mm-hmm. his free agency payday. He took his you know, he took his talents to the, the L.A. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was so bad that they literally sent him back to you for a seventh round pick. Paid the majority of his salary. Yeah. He was so bad that they needed him off the books. We'll eat his salary. Just get him physically out of our city. Sends him back to New England. He comes back to New England, has a okay game or two. Mm-hmm. So then the report comes out that you guys are going to Germany to play this weekend, and he's staying home to what, quote-unquote, like get his head right? And right. that you guys need to mentally reset before he can be back on the field again? Right. And you said yeah. the Patriot way is dead. Yeah, I don't I don't even recognize this team anymore. I, I just I don't I don't understand the moves. <clears throat> it, it was later reported by the way that he ended up being late for a team meeting, um, along with another fellow cornerback, Jack Jones, which <laughs> <laughs> hasn't exactly inspired <laughs> any great uh, you know, um, you know, hope in, in the cornerback room. Um, yeah, I just, I, they used to be, and you guys know this because you guys used to see this at, at nauseum and sort of everybody else. They, they always, 
they were always like a step ahead on releasing a guy or not having a guy in the locker room or having his replacement waiting in the wings, you know, um, you know, having a guy in his last year that they were either not going to resign or that was going to retire and having another guy ready to go. And, and the injuries obviously have hurt them. Like Jonathan Jones getting hurt. Obviously Christian Gonzalez getting hurt didn't help anything. That was hence the move for, you know, JC Jackson, but it's just it's just one of those years where it's like everything is a wart. Everything is, you know, what is going on? Like what? And 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 that just speaks overall to the larger picture of this, the dysfunction of this team. And um, that's what I was going to say: is realistically, one player not fitting in that happens. Chris, we've seen right. that with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, you know, when Sean McDermott first got here, he took over the Bills. They were like, okay, well, they've got Sammy Watkins and they've got Ron Darby. And, and Sean McDermott was like, first of all, 86, that guy and that guy. Their attitudes suck, and I don't want them here. And he shipped them out. And everyone said, oh, my God, they're tanking. And he was like, no, I just don't. I can't win with them. I need them gone. Mm-hmm. He identified guys whose attitude and whose energy kind of matched what he was trying to accomplish. Bilicek did that for decades. For two decades, there wasn't a player on this roster who wasn't in and dialed in every single week because he relied on that professionalism. That's why you guys were just murderers every single year because every player had their professionalism. And they understood. And, and it, it, yeah, and as soon as Randy Moss became a problem in 2010, gone. he was gone the third game of the year. Because I mean, and that was it. Like, and that was. Wouldn't tolerate see it. Yeah, you had a yeah. coach who wouldn't tolerate it. And now things have gotten so bad from a talent perspective, they have no choice. They have to right. tolerate it. But not only do they have to tolerate it, the roster is built around guys like this. There is no more identity to this team. It's, it's, it's evaporated, and now it's just another football team, which that lack of discipline combined with what's going on from a drafting perspective and a f- coaching perspective and a quarterback play perspective, that's how you become 2-7, and seven, man. Yeah, and that's how you lose home field advantage, and that's how you have a stadium that's three that's three quarters full. I mean, I never in my lifetime thought I would see what I saw on Sunday at that stadium that was, you know, you could hear a pin drop and that was three quarters full. And, I mean, look, I've say, I said they've been playing bad for the past four years. They have been. But this bottomed out really quick this year. Nobody, and I mean nobody, I don't care the biggest haters in the world, saw this coming two and seven and saw the current state of this team right now. And the big question is if they lose this week, what happens with Mac? What might happen with Bill? I can't for the life of me see the crafts moving off from Bill in the middle of the year. I just can't see it. And again, I couldn't see two and seven in the current state that we're in. So anything's on the table. Excuse me. Everything is on the table. If they lose this game. And the, uh, and the hard part is better. if you, if you can't win this game against the Colts, you're going to go to the Giants. You maybe catch a win, which just pushes you, pushes you further down the draft list, right? Because that's right. now the fear. This is a quarterback-rich draft. There's at least a few prospects worth something. Couple, two, three, yeah, yeah, sure. Every win Bilicek gets after the bye week, once you're three and eight, and you're firmly out of the playoff picture, everything he does now puts you into the category that we're constantly talking to uh, Scott Mason about. This idea that Adam Gase and that one stupid win that he had to get killed their chances for Trevor Lawrence and landed them firmly in the second pick, which is why they have Zach Wilson. 
And he's like, that's the difference in a winning and losing franchise right now. If they had Trevor right. Trevor Lawrence, you're talking about maybe one of the best teams in the AFC right now. That's right. so. Yeah. Do the Patriots want to flirt with that and say, "Hey, we're going to let him beat up on the Giants"? I'm sure Devito will still be playing now that Daniel Jones is done for the year. Uh, right. It's like the Chargers, they can get got. The Steelers have no offense. He could go on a thing where he comes out of this thing with a four-win, five-win football team, and you're drafting tenth. That would be a death knell for you because then you're where the Bills spent a decade and a half, right in the middle, where you can never get better, but you, like, you're never bad enough to get better. I just right the team. Uh, no, you know, yeah, you got to hope. Kate, you look, you got to hope USC loses again, and Caleb Williams goes running into the stands and cries on his mother's shoulders again. I mean, then maybe he'll fall the tenth. You know, I mean, I, I just, but yeah, it's bad. I mean, that is not where you want to be. Um, no. Because then you get in that position of you take like a great offensive player or a great defensive player, and, and if Bill's still you know, here, you know he's out of there. And if Bill's still here, he's taking the defensive player. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Yep. I don't envy your position, sir, but I do love having you on here to talk about it. <laughs> Where- oh, I know you do. <laughs> Where can people follow you on social media? Uh, on X at Chris with a T I A N and uh, give me a follow and uh, give me a follow back and you can see my head explode on a weekly basis. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So because misery loves company... And I love other people's misery. We move along in this uh, ridiculous parade of sob stories and sad affairs as we move on to the New York Jets, who scored six points in a primetime television game this week. Listen, Scott Mason, play like a Jet. Just last week you were here. You know, we had the conversation about Zach Wilson and just how he's doing the backup quarterback thing, and he's doing it about as reasonably well as could be expected. You know, you guys pull out this inexplicable win against the Giants, and then everything that worked out for you guys last week went absolutely tits up at the worst possible time. (laughs) First of all, I mean, you guys, like when I say your, your offense hit the wall, like you came into turn four with a giant number three painted on your back. Like, that's how bad this is. Beyond Zach Wilson, because obviously that's low-hanging fruit to just carp about the Jets quarterback situation, what here is broken and how much of it's fixable when it comes to the Jets' ability to score points? 
Yeah, you said it well, Drew. This was a great day for the Jets this past Sunday because everything broke their way. The Bills lost in prime time to the Bagels. The Dolphins lost on NFL Network in Germany to the Chiefs. And we got to watch the Patriots get embarrassed again, so that was fun. And the Jets had a great opportunity. They had a team with a losing record coming into their building. on a three. Uh, the Jets were on a three-game win streak. And what happened was, like you said, uh, you know, look, they had all the momentum. They had everything behind them. And much like Cody Rhodes at this past year's WrestleMania, they took that momentum and, and floundered. And Roman Reigns uh, continued his, his streak that uh, now extends uh, over three years, which is what it feels like is the length of time that the Jets have not scored a touchdown in. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. And you said it. Look, uh, I've been very clear that I think Zach Wilson's improved this year. I think there are significant – there are areas where he's significantly been better than last year. That said, I've also told you that I think there have been games where he's played better than the box score. This was the opposite. If you look at his box score, it actually looked pretty decent. But he was bad in this game. And like you said, though, it's not just him, though. And this is where right now – there's such an argument going on about Zach Wilson and how much of it is his fault. Look, Zach Wilson is, is like we said, he's a, a decent backup quarterback, right? He's still got flaws, significant flaws, and that's why he's not a starting caliber quarterback. He's a backup. But Alan Lazard can't catch, and he's constantly getting drawing penalties. It's become very clear that he is nothing more than a creation of Aaron Rodgers, and with Rodgers not here – he leads the league and drops by like a country mile. And by the way, number two in qualifying receivers is Randall Cobb. So that tells you all you need to know about that. Nate Hackett, Nate Hackett, who's your old friend, has been awful with the play calling. And just look, Billy Turner's terrible. Everyone knows that. I mean, if you're somebody that is a fan of AFC East football, you remember what he did with the Dolphins, let alone the Packers and the Broncos and all this. Let's talk about about this offensive line thing because here I was, you know, I'm going through and I I see this Baldy breakdown or some, if it wasn't Baldinger, it was somebody else made a really nice like, hey, look at Mekhi Becton, look how fluid he looks. Like, you know, everyone questioned whether his career was over or not, but he has some great reps in this game. And I look at the box score and I go, Okay, he gave up five hurries on five pressures. Okay, it's not great, but it's it's good enough if you're not giving up any hits or sacks. And then I look down and I go, you guys gave up seven sacks? <laughs> what? How did, how did the right side, it, like the interior of your offensive line looks atrocious? And the, 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 like, what do you do with this at this point? It's very difficult because... The Jets went into this season with not a great margin for error on the old line. Like I said this to you, if you remember that, if the Jets offensive line stayed healthy, I thought they could be okay. And I think that was borne out because for a couple of weeks following that Cowboys game, when they made a bunch of changes, they put Elijah Vera Tucker at tackle and all that, the old line was okay. But then Vera Tucker went out and it's just been a cavalcade of, of craziness after that. So, Billy Turner, uh, you said it, the right side of the line, Billy Turner was just horrendous. And he's hurt now. It looks like he's going to miss time. But, look, they couldn't run him back out there anyway. He's so bad. Max Mitchell, who was not terrible at right tackle in place of the injured Brown because Brown was playing left, so they moved back, Beckton back to, to left tackle and put Mitchell at right. 
he wasn't terrible at right tackle, but they moved him inside to guard. He doesn't have the strength to play there, so he was really bad in that game. Lincoln Tomlinson, who I think has been better this year, he wasn't great in that game either. But then again, remember all the chaos that was going on. Joe Tipman came back, and he was pretty good playing center again. Uh, he had played guard before that because Connor McGovern was playing center, but now he's playing center because McGovern and Schweitzer, the other two centers, are both hurt. So it's just an absolute mess. And Dwayne Brown will be back at some point, but he was bad before he went out. He's 38 years old, coming off another very serious injury. Ironically enough, Becton, who's the guy that everyone was terrified about going into this year as far as injuries, he's the only one that's been consistently, other than the Giants game, he's bad in the Giants game. Chris. But other than that, he's been pretty good, and he stayed healthy. Chris. Him and Tomlinson, I know Tomlinson had an injury scare, but those are the only two guys. Everybody else has been hurt. And as far as fixes, I mean, look, they may get desperate. They may just start throwing out everybody they can. I mean, look, well, we talked about this Scott, last week. Scott, well, this is what I was about to say. Chris, you know things are bad because you know Brees Hall is a good running back, correct? Yeah. Heard of him. It's, it's a provable, like, it's a fact. We we can all agree. It's almost like, you know, water being wet. Um, you know, the, the, it's it's almost like how we all agree what the chemical, uh, you know, the, the symbol is or the makeup of salt is. It's something we all agree upon. Brees Hall is a phenomenal running back talent in the NFL. When I can look at the box score from the game and I can say, Oh, Brees Hall ran for exactly two first downs and had one run of 10 yards or more in the entire football game. Your offensive line, just the sack numbers, I look at those numbers and I say that group. I don't know what this mishmash you're talking about, the constant switching of positions. There is zero chemistry there. And it doesn't doesn't feel to me like something they're going to find anytime soon. No, probably not. And it's funny because... Earlier in the week, Damian Woody, who, of course, you know, former Super Bowl champion with the Patriots, played a couple of years with the Jets. He said if the Jets offense could just play at a close to average level, they could take the AFC East. And I firmly believe that. But I also firmly believe that they're not going to be able to do that because, look, we talked about this. The trade deadline came and went. Even if you're you think that Zach Wilson is the best option based on who you have right now going forward. They could have had Josh Dobbs for a sixth, seventh round pick swap. Even if Dobbs was only coming in here to be the backup temporarily, Wilson has had injury issues in the past and it gives you another guy to go to. If you decide Wilson isn't, isn't good enough. Now you've got Tim Boyle and the corpse of Trevor Simeon. So even if you go to those guys, I don't know how much they help you. Every aspect of the offense is bad, and even the guys that, that are their best players. You mentioned Reese Hall. He fumbled a pitch that was right in his hands. Garrett Wilson had a fumble and a drop. Like The guys that are supposed to be the top guys even were having trouble against the Chargers. And it's so frustrating because on a night when the defense was once again tremendous. I mean, look, that was one of the worst games of Justin Herbert's career, and we've seen this this year. Mahomes, bad against the Jets. Hurts, bad against the Jets. Allen, bad against the Jets. Herbert, bad against the Jets. These are four of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. At a certain point, it's a pattern. This is just not the Jets' defense getting lucky. For them to be able, 191 total yards the Chargers had. Herbert completed about half of his passes. He, he fumbled the ball at one point. He was lucky enough to recover it. When you're the defense and you're watching this, Jermaine Johnson and Bryce Huff turning into stars in front of our eyes, Quentin Williams, an absolute force. I know he doesn't have sacks, but his pressure rate is among the best in the league. I think he's PFF's number two interior defensive lineman right now behind 
Dexter Lawrence, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed is the number one, uh, according to PFF, I mean, look, whatever, but PFF has him as their number one graded cornerback so far this season, and we all know what Sauce can do. You can go on and on down the line. To see a performance like this, I think it was Mark Sessler from the Around the NFL podcast, he said, it's sad because you get the feeling that this is going to be one of the best defenses of the last decade to be completely wasted. Oh, where sure. I, meaning that. <clears throat> I mean, look, you know, look, look at the numbers. Their, their team is going You know, they talk about ball, yeah, don't ahead. lie. The scoreboard dictates a lot. And here's the thing when we're, I mean, this is an AFC centric podcast. You look around the division right now at where the New York Jets stand. Everyone gets, you know, Miami has been the story. You know, the, their offense has been the talk of the NFL this season. They have exactly one game this weekend's where they scored 14 or fewer points. One this entire season. The Buffalo Bills have exactly one game where we scored 14 or fewer points. The New England Patriots, the much maligned New England Patriots, who we just got done hearing from Christian Simonelli all about those woes have exactly two games where they scored 14 or fewer points. The New York Jets lead the AFC East with four of them. Four different games where they scored 10 and 10 and 13 and 6. Their record is 1 and 3 in those contests, and the uh, the one they won was against Tommy DeVito. It was very... <laughs> it, it could have been... It could have been 0 and 4. So it's with that that you look at this and you just say to yourself, you've got a Garrett Wilson, you've got nice pieces, but unfortunately the foundation that this house was built on has crumbled and there's just not much here to move it. The last thing I'll ask you before we let you go, all of this hubbub that got started, because again, it plays into this conversation. Everyone goes, well, what if Rodgers comes back? I think the, the, the better question I have is, why, if you plan on having Aaron Rodgers back next season and have him healthy, why in the world would you put him out there at any point in time here? He's not going to be ready soon. And when you look at the upcoming schedule, you've got a lot of road contests. You have to go to, to Vegas, to the Bills, home against Miami. Like Another loss or two in there, you guys are almost essentially disqualified from playoff contention. You'll be in, on a wing and a prayer. Would you, as a fan who wants to see the long-term upshot, at least, even though you didn't love the trade for Rodgers, wants to see what that can look like with this offense and with this structure, would you be as against this as I am, throwing that guy out there into this mess? No, I mean, it makes no sense. And also, and I've I've said this before, if you talk to anybody who's in the medical field, they're going to tell you Aaron Rodgers is not playing this year. I I suspect that it's Rodgers... Doing being Rogers, you know, trying to buck the conventional wisdom. And I suspect as far as the Jets go, Salah, if you notice, he's been very careful with his language. He hasn't said that he thinks Rogers will do it, but he's basically saying, well, you never know. And I think part of that is because he wants to keep the troops motivated. Like, hey, if you guys keep winning, Aaron might come back. But I, I don't from what I hear, the people in the building don't really believe he's coming back. And quite frankly, the fastest anybody ever came back was Cam Akers. He was half Rogers' age, and look at him now. He's basically going to be out of the NFL. So I think it would be a major disaster. And I don't think any doctor's going to clear him, by the way, but that's a whole other story. It would be a disaster to, to bring him back. I think even if the Jets are in playoff contention, it's crazy because if anything happens to him, he'll never play again. Let's be honest, at 40 years old. So 
I just don't think it's going to happen, honestly. And yeah, it's crazy, and and nobody should count on it. And and, and to be honest, with the way this offense is, I mean, yeah, he's good enough to win games because he is that good. But man, there's so many deep-seated issues with this offense that have got to get fixed in the offseason that they didn't take care of. We've talked about them at nauseum and, and putting Rogers in the middle of that coming off this injury after three, four months, I, I just, it would be at a, insane. I, I just, for our followers at rock report on Twitter is where you can find us. <clears throat> I just retweeted the uh, tweet that I DM'd you yesterday where it just says Robert Sala tossing Aaron Rodgers in the game next week. And it's just yeah. like a, a dummy in a wheelchair being hurled through a plate glass window through the front of a business. It's one of the funniest things I've seen with absolutely zero context applied to it. Oh, it, it really is fitting. Scott, I thank you for allowing us salty Bills fans to wallow in a little bit of your misery. Why don't you tell everybody where we can follow you on social and where they can find all your content in case we want to do a little bit more? Listen, much like the Brooklyn brawler who was beaten every time he went in the ring, there's nothing this team can do to hurt me anymore. Mm-hmm. I've just been through too much of it, so I'm numb to it. So I'm fine, uh, you know, especially with you guys because it's all fun and games. I don't really care. I'm fine coming in and, and being the jobber. That, that's basically the role of, of – anybody that covers the jets at this point you can find me on twitter at play like a jet one you can check out the show seven days a week oh, man i don't know people say <laughs> how do you do it seven days a week and sometimes i myself don't even know but it's available on all the usual podcast platforms there's play like a jet.com youtube.com slash play like a jet boys jets are going to get through this game against vegas we'll see what the bills do and then It'll be uh, the Jets and the Bills rematch. I suspect that it's probably going to be like what happened last year where the Jets sort of stole one at MetLife and then the Bills were able to get this, the rematch at Bid Orchard Park. And I'm looking forward to coming up there and, and uh, finally having some of the famous Iman's tailgate food. It'll be fun. Christian Simonelli, Scott Mason, about 15 minutes from now. Alf Artiaga, the oddities of the AFC East. <laughs> Yeah, you don't remember the oddities? No, I remember the oddities. The funniest part about the oddities was this idea that there was a big guy who like didn't speak and he wore a mask. And That's I think because... the, and I think the insane clown posse did their uh intro, didn't they? Yeah. They didn't talk because they didn't want him to know they didn't want everyone to know, even though we already knew that that was Earthquake. What? I didn't know that. Oh, that's because you're not smart. <laughs> or it's because I don't care about wrestling. You can just tell by his movement in the ring that that's John Tenta. No, you could tell that because you anyone, are what we classify as a nerd. Anyone that watched wrestling knew that. Yeah, well, I guess I'm just not one of them. So, guys, obviously you've already heard our AFC's. You've heard the beginning of the AFC's roundup. We're here collecting misery. The Bills are firmly in it. If you've listened to our recap show, if you've listened to our preview by now. So right here, Chris, I guess we're just going to talk about the Bills being in the hunt means that every week now we have to have a conversation about the rooting guide. And I hate that. I hate that we're only halfway through the regular season and we now have to bust out the, like, hey, hopefully some games break our way this week and really change our playoff percentages. Because that sucks, doesn't it? I'm already ready 
for this season to be over with. I'm <laughs> it, it done is, with the season. It I, is incredible. I would impressive. like this to be over and move to off-season content right now. <laughs> These podcasts, like, I, I will say, at least our brand is something sustainable through times like these. Chris, we were... We started in... I always joke. We we started in worse times. I always joke that I'm Bane when it comes to this. Like, these content creators who came along and like, well, I don't know what to do now because I can't talk about anything positive. Of course not, because there's nothing positive to talk about. And they're like, well, I don't just want to be like a shock jock. It's like, no, 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 no. You got to find entertaining and creative ways to talk about the terrible things. This is it. I am. I was born in this, right? I, I didn't know what a successful football team looked like until we were in what? Our fourth, fifth year of podcasting. <laughs> we were veterans by that point. Yeah. I have earned my stripes, and I love this, because I feel at home here, because I'm a bad person, and because I wallow in misery. I I don't know why. It's like, when things are going too well, it's Tommy Boy. Like, here I am, fat guy in a little coat. That's what happens to me every time things are going too well. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to fall. I always have that, Chris, true or false? I have a very Haskell, glass half empty view on most things. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Where do you think I got it from? A lifetime of rooting for this football team. Dave Gear. A lifetime of rooting for this football team has taught me that even if things are bad now, they can in fact get worse. <laughs> a lifetime of living the life that I've lived, the things I've experienced have taught me. Things could always be worse. Don't ever believe that they can't be. So when they're not, you're pleasantly surprised. And here's where we live now. In a place where we're just hoping every week to be pleasantly surprised by this football team. And so with that in mind, it's not enough that we talk about what our own team has to do. We also have to then discuss the downfall of others or prognosticate on other people's futures as it might benefit us. Which I think fits the theme of tonight's show. So, for our rooting guide for Week 10 in the NFL, looked at a few key matchups. I want to pick your brain about see how you feel about this. Texans and the Bengals. And at this point, I almost think that you should be rooting for the Bengals, shouldn't you? I I guess... I was looking to pick uh I haven't made my my picks yet for my NFL pool, but I am leaning Texans well, to beat the Bengals. And I only say I say that because of how important Sunday night was to the Bengals and that whole matchup with the Bills. So now I'm I feel like the Bengals will be in a letdown spot on Sunday against the Texans. You'd think that. Here's what I'll say. If the Texans beat the Bengals, then the Bengals stay where they are at five and five and three. The Bills, regardless of what we do, if they lose, the Bengals will move to five and four. They'll have our current record. But the Texans will also now be five and four. And that's just one more team that gets inserted into that wild card conversation. 
And if you do that, you make our road to the playoffs as a wildcard team who doesn't win its division that much more difficult. We should probably be rooting against the Texans from here on out, which sucks because C.J. Stroud has been such a story from like, hey, at the last second, the Carolina Panthers owner talked the GM out of drafting him and took Bryce Young instead. How's their team doing? Well, they had to trade a bunch of shit to get him. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine trading to get a quarterback who's worse than the guy you traded for. And the guy you traded for is shattering rookie records. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's. Do you think it was the Ohio State bias that got him? I have no idea. I don't think Ohio State. When was the last time Ohio State put in a good quarterback? I can't remember a single one. I remember uh, a lot of quarterbacks who became wide receivers. Uh, Braxton. There was um, Pryor. Terrell Pryor. There was. There was a whole. Who was the the uh, Caucasian gentleman who lost? I remember that Ohio State was in back to back national title games against SEC teams and just got the, just got pounded. Both times. I think it was Florida and LSU, maybe. There's uh, Justin Fields. Okay. Troy Smith. Craig Krenzel. <laughs> Craig Krenzel. Art Schlichter. Mike Tomzak. Okay. Uh, Terrell Pryor. Tom Tupa. Kent Graham. Rex Kern. People have never Joe Germain. People I've never heard of. <laughs> Ohio State's quarterback, like quarterback pipeline to the NFL has been awful. And yet, here's CJ Stroud on fire. That's not a guy that I want anywhere near the playoff field. So the Bengals now have to do the thing where they go out there and beat them. And if they don't, it just makes life a lot more difficult for for the Bills, even if we win this week against the Broncos. 49ers-Jaguars, for the exact same reason, I want the Jaguars to win this game. Because the Jaguars need to win that, they need to win the division. Again, Colts are 4-5. and five. They already have five losses. They're, we're staving them off. Titans are, I mean, the Titans are done. But the Colts are floating around in this conversation. The Jaguars are there at 6-2. and two. The Jaguars can keep pace with the other division-leading football teams. Then we're in that thing where the Texans and Colts no longer matter. Because now they're forced into the wild card, and as long as we can stay one game ahead of them, we're fine. I'd like to see that separation in that division. Because the Jaguars hold a natural tiebreaker over, over us, and if they find themselves in the wild card pool, that could be something that boxes us out. That's unfortunate. Ravens against Browns. Where do you think I'm going with this based on the logic I'm laying out for you now? Cleveland. Oh, clearly you're rooting for the Ravens. Because you you need a Browns team that has your exact same record to fall behind you. We have that game locally this week. That's nice. We'll be able to watch that here. What is I'm assuming CBS? Uh, no, Fox. What? Where, See, no. I've never been able to understand this. Usually, I always just thought that the AFC games went to CBS and that the NFC games went to Fox. That's no longer a thing. Exactly. Yeah, so, we got so, Cleveland-Baltimore on Fox. Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma. Kenny Albert? 
Kenny Albert has a face that looks nothing like his voice. Correct. It's actually unsettling. He. It would be like if you heard a guy who's like super emphatic, and you could picture a dude who's six foot two leaning over a microphone, going, and then they showed you like the guy, and it's Droopy the dog. Yeah, (laughs) that's what it looks like. Packers and Steelers. We also get that game. Go pack. That's the team. The Steelers are somehow a five-win football team. They are the lowest-scoring team to have five wins in the NFL. It's an abomination. Like, the fact that they... Who'd they eke one out over the other night? Uh, Who, Pittsburgh? Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, Pittsburgh right now is profiteering off the fact that they just have a, a... Weak, weak schedule, and they're squeaking by with terrible offense, but really, really, really strong defense. Mike Tomlin is a genius. Yeah. Makes me sad, kind of, when I see that happening on that side of the ball for somebody else. You know? Yeah. And then the Raiders and Jets, I don't even think I have to, like, we don't have to. It's obviously the Raiders, right? Not only just for our divisional standings, but also for just the comedic effect. Yeah, I'd love to see the Raiders win that game. Aiden O'Connell, that dirty mustache of his, just Aiden O'Connell comes out with that filthy mustache and just outplays a former number two overall pick. Makes Joe Douglas look like an idiot. Yeah, well, I mean, that draft class wasn't nothing special after Trevor Lawrence. All the quarterbacks out of that class have been shit. Well, yeah. Isn't that how it goes with most classes? Like, yeah, look, no. Think back to Josh Allen's in 2018. Depends on how... You got two. Depends on how many first-round picks there are. Sure. but in tw- Okay, so back in 2018, when the Bills drafted Josh Allen... What was there, four or five? Mayfield, Darnold, Allen... Rosen. Rosen. Jackson. Jackson. Two of five. Two of five. And there's nobody else farther down the food chain. Like, there's no Sam Howell who somebody found a way to make useful. That's just an unmitigated disaster of a class. Not only that, but what made it worse is that four of those five went in the top ten. Those teams were fucked when they picked those guys. Well, Zach Wilson's draft, it was the first three picks. <laughs> Who were they? Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and uh, Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Is it bad that I forgot he existed? I've already forgotten that Trey Lance was ever a thing. This is why the NFL draft is always fun. Yeah. And I love that we Then approached- Justin Fields went at 11, Mac Jones at 15. So you had five quarterbacks in the first 15. One was good. One has been serviceable in the NFL. The rest of them are just a bunch of, oh, God. It's, uh, again, if it weren't for the fact that there's some dork with glasses just ruining my quarterback's entire existence. Talking about you? (laughs) Yes, I'm talking about me. Uh, I just feel like I would feel so much better about the fact that we got the best quarterback out of that class. But then I watched Todd Monken's offense with Baltimore this year, and I'm like, oh, that's, oh, okay. It took him a while. It was a new offense. Took a while to settle in, but now you're just throttling another division-winning team at home, making scoring points look easy. You're throwing the football well. Lamar Jackson looks like he's 
it's just one of those things that frustrates me. <laughs> I feel like we've done our quarterback a monster disservice. And it's evidenced here by the fact that we're here in what should be like the last year of a Super Bowl window. And instead, we're at week 10 talking about being in the hunt. God. You know, this podcast was supposed to be about wallowing in other people's misery. I didn't think I'd be bringing back any more of my own. And so as we close out our uh, week of losing around the AFC East... We bring in Chris, probably Pat Cleary's favorite guest. Would you say that? Yeah. Like, I'm surprised he doesn't have you on his Christmas card list already. Mr. Elfartiaga from Three Arts Per Carry. As we talk about the Dolphins and their 21-14 loss to the uh, Chiefs overseas, Elf, as we were discussing off air, I... I swear to you, I wish I could have gotten a live feed of you experiencing this game in real time. What Are you a yeller? Like, what's your game day mannerism when things just seem like they're coming off the rails? If they're coming off the rails, I just light up another cigar and have another drink. And I just <laughs> stare at the screen. When things are going well, I'm a yeller. I'm a, I'm a fist pump. You know, I'm, I cheer. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I get into it. Uh, that game was so weird. That first half, I was like, "What in the hell are we doing over the over here?" Like this is like I don't know if you knew, but Simon was uh, Simon Clancy, uh, who's on our podcast, been on our podcast since day one for the last six years. He's kind of like a celebrity. I don't know if you you saw him on every I saw single it. channel. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> he was doing pre-game He's shows, flexing, post-game shows, flexing like, I, I on Mike s- McDaniel. I was getting sick of seeing Simon on TV. Uh, on Saturday and then Sunday morning. So I'm watching this game and it's, and the first half is just an absolute abomination. <laughs> and then you, it got have, to, you, you know, Elf, it got so bad that the, and I knew it was going to come up, right? Like I knew that the reporters were going to take the bait and start having the debate about, Oh, you know, the travel plans and you know, the Dolphins have been here, but the Chiefs, they look like the fresher team. I don't know, sports science. And I was like, don't tell me about the sports science. I watched that, I watched that get my team killed. Although right now, there's probably more killing my football team than just a time, time zone change. But I knew that at some point in this game, it was going to become a talking point. I just wasn't sure for who. It sucks. That it was <laughs> and they were like, oh, the Dolphins look like they're sleepwalking out there sometimes. <laughs> It was awful. It was awful. And then, you know, it had that look right before the half. You know, it's 14 nothing, and Dolphins are driving down there. And right before that play, if you remember, Tua hits Tyreek on an in-cut for 15 yards. And it's looking like, yeah, they're going to go down there. They're going to score a touchdown. And this thing's going to be a game in the second half. Little did I know that the next play was going to be that screen, and then it was going to go the other way, 21 nothing. And then the second half starts, and it's night and day. We completely dominate that game. And at the end of the game, when you when you look at it, both offenses scored two touchdowns. And the difference was that their defense scored on a 75-yard fumble return for a touchdown. And that was the difference in the game. Yeah. But, you know, uh, if you're going to take any positives from that game, if you're a Dolphin fan, it's that this was the first game that the Dolphin defense lined up as designed. The secondary was intact. And they allowed less passing yards to Mahomes uh, that he's had in, I believe, three years. They allowed the lowest amount of yardage 
to the Kansas City Chiefs since early 2021. They allowed two touchdowns, and Travis Kelsey had three catches for 14 yards. So, well, the, the the Travis Kelsey thing just got to be funny because now it's become like part of the uh, the zeitgeist of the NFL now that anytime Travis Kelsey starts to like his play suffers, the first talking point again. Just like I knew it was almost like if I was playing bingo and I had my bingo board in front of me for that game, I knew that this, the travel schedule was going to come up as a point of conversation. I also knew that at some point they were going to point to Travis Kelsey's production, good or bad, and make a Taylor Swift, like try to draw some fucking line to Taylor Swift not being present, which is hilarious because they're like, well, now this is two games where Taylor Swift wasn't there and look at his production. I think there's something to this. There is nothing. If that's the case, then the Travis Kelsey we know is one of the softest human beings I've ever met. He's one of the worst, one of one of the weakest-minded football players on the planet. If he can't perform because his newfound bay isn't there, as the kids say, uh, what do you think Fangio did? Like, what do you when you go back and look at that game again, as you guys do over at Three Yards Per Carry? What did they do to suppress the production of Kelsey? Oh, that was a that was a pretty brilliant game plan and it's not so easy as to say look you know Jalen Ramsey had him and then Xavier Howard had him um whenever they had him in line they were using two guys they were using a safety over the top and they were using a linebacker underneath they're using David Long they're using Jerome Baker and they were using Javon Holland over the top they were keeping to the rules so whenever they put him as a Y iso tight end whenever he was out wide or in the slot he was drawing the corner to that side so he was drawing either Jalen Ramsey one-on-one, or he was drawing Xavier Howard one-on-one. And that's the only time that they were – they were. so essentially, whenever he lined up near Ramsey or Howard, Ramsey or Howard had him one-on-one, man-to-man in bump and run. And whenever he lined up closer to the line, it was a linebacker underneath and a safety over the top in double coverage the entire game. <clears throat> no, because, I mean, it worked. And that was the thing that you got to see from this Kansas City offense was that – they did have plays, right? Because it's Andy Reid, it's Patrick Mahomes. You're unless he's got the flu, which I still think is a bullshit excuse. You're you're not going to slow him down a ton. He's still going to get his points. It's the the idea that what you did was the one weapon. Rasheed Rice had a great day, but you guys are content. I, I, you could see Fangio say. It's okay if Rasheed Rice and Christian Watson and Sky Moore are the ones who win this football game. I'm willing to live with that. Screw this guy. He's not going to be the reason. And it yeah, worked. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the Dolphin defense was just good all, all around. Like, they were good against the run. They played a light box all day. They dared him to run. Yep. And they stopped them with the, with the front four and one linebacker. They essentially played a five-man front the entire game, and they used that to stop the run. Um Great stat. Ramsey and, and Xavier Howard allowed a total of four receptions for 21 yards the entire game to their covers. And of those 21 yards, 11 were to Travis Kelsey. <laughs> so, so they did a pretty nice job uh, on Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey also only caught one pass past the line of scrimmage in that game. And he was targeted four times past the line of scrimmage. So they did a really, really nice job. The flip side was that the Dolphin offense was absolutely horrible 
But if you look at it, you know, if you step away from from it, you know, both offenses were pretty bad. This game, you know how they say, oh, this game really lived up to the hype. This game absolutely did not live up to the hype. It was a pretty bad game all around. And it was just essentially two defenses dominating the opposing offense. Uh, Dolphins had a big third quarter. Other than that, they really didn't muster anything. And the same thing for the Chiefs. They had a big first quarter, and other than that, they didn't do anything else. They didn't score again. And it was one of those things where I'm sitting here going, am I watching? Like, am I watching what I think I'm watching? A Patrick Mahomes defense offense is going to shrivel twice in two weeks. Now, since the theme of tonight's show is just wallowing, like, we didn't do our usual... Every week we always do the uh, people who have it worse than the Bills whenever we lose. This week I just saved it for the AFC's roundup since everybody lost. Let's talk about that final drive. <laughs> Can we talk about what the hell happened on a must-have? Like, you ca- like a, hey, the game is literally right here. You have to execute or else the day is over. And we're one of the most explosive offenses in football. Let's make it happen, Captain. And you end up with, I believe it was 44 yards on seven plays. And I'm looking at the play chart right now. And it's just most it for 25 yards because they're defending the deep ball. They're like, we're not going to let them behind us. So you did the smart thing. You run 25 yards, 19 yards. He's getting out on the edges of the of the defense and getting upfield, getting into space, getting stopping clocks. And then you come in here, you you have three you essentially have four plays to win the game and you're on the Kansas City 31. And from there everything just goes to shit. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, First of all, they, they designed some type of throwback pass that they haven't ran ran all year. I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> the second the second down play was, I think, the, the key play in all of this. Jalen Waddle fell down. Yep. Like If you watch it on the All-22, Jalen Waddle's running like an in-cut, but like a skinny post, and he's wide open. And two is delivering it, and he just falls down for whatever reason. <laughs> on third down, my God, Cedric Wilson just smokes past this guy. And they called it a, a miscommunication. It looked to me like Tua was caught in between – running a, a, an in-cut? Are you running a slant? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Holy shit. I'm, I'm throwing the back shoulder. Oh, no. And that happened before, by the way. That happened uh, the previous week. But this is the problem well, with option routes, right? So if you're talking about wide receivers and quarterbacks and option routes, it's time on task. And you know, we just I just exploded about this for same five thing, minutes. Yeah, same thing happened to week. Josh Allen uh, in this yep. last game against the, the Bengals. Yep, about uh, this I think guy. Was, Gabe Davis went deep, and he was supposed to go short. Well, he, he I was, was yeah. the opposite. Uh, you know, Tua thought that Cedric Wilson was going short, and he went deep. And it's made worse by Cedric Wilson being four yards open in the end zone for a gimme touchdown. And you have to and the last look, play. Well, that you know. So, so let's it was talk just about Connor this. Williams once again. So I was going to say. So now you have a, a center who knows that your quarterback is left-handed, and he snaps it two yards to his right. It's literally up around the, like, like not to be graphic, guys. We're not trying to be gross here. He snaps it at about nipple height. Now, I don't know how tall Tua is. I mean, he's not tall, tall, but I'm 5'11", so I can't talk. So 
He snaps his ball about nipple height to the right. The non-dominant hand of your quarterback. But if you're a center in the NFL, Chris, like this isn't high school where it's like, well, we're just kind of figuring this thing out as we go. You've made it to the NFL, which means you should be capable of snapping a football relatively on target in that situation, regardless of what hand your quarterback chooses to use, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when Chris, being like the, I don't want to say football layperson here, but do you believe that a, even a backup center should be able to execute a shotgun snap to where your quarterback yeah. can catch it? You should know that. Okay. And you should know what hand your quarterback is. You should just know, like, hey, if I'm going to air, air to the left. And it's also made worse by, I really do believe, looking at the All-22, that Kansas City screwed up on that fourth down and 10, and they send one too many guys. I think they were supposed to have one guy off, one guy on in the B gap. And in my opinion, I think they had the, the one that was to the right of Connor Williams coming through between Austin Jackson and Lester Cotton. I think that guy needed to drop because instead they bring seven and if you watch the routes, they were going to leave Jalen Waddle wide open to walk into the end zone on the little dig route. So I believe they screwed up. They even screwed up on that play, uh, the Chiefs did, and we just couldn't take advantage of it. Because I was going to say, does it, it into the dirt. does it make you feel better or worse having that knowledge? Because I'll tell you this, it, this is why I stopped watching all 22. <laughs> Yeah, it makes me feel it makes me feel a lot worse because everybody's like, "Oh, they brought the all out blitz." I'm like, I don't think they they wanted to bring the all out blitz. No, it sounds like somebody didn't know their assignment, did the wrong thing because you should never in that situation leave Jalen Waddle wide open. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like you know, I don't think that they wanted to bring seven. I think they wanted to bring six. You know, mean, you meanwhile, don't bring uh, seven. Meanwhile, what's his face? Uh, Spagnolo's on the sideline going. <sighs> Yikes! Got away with that. Yeah, yeah. But and the worst part is he'll know, never admit it, it. But I said it. Uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to take anything positive from this, you know, against the Bills, they just melted down in the second half and got beat up. <laughs> against the Eagles, I really do believe that they got screwed by the officiating against the the Philadelphia Eagles because that that was a game until the avalanche of, of, of phony calls came in in the fourth quarter. But in this one, they just flat out just blew this game. They just <laughs> handed this game to the Chiefs. And in my opinion, if you're doing, you know, if if you're doing the math for the rest of the season, I really, I kind of think that they gave away the one seat here in this game. And that's and that's going to be the conversation is just not even the division, but like you gave away your road to the one seed. Now you've still left the Bills, even with our loss, hanging around in striking distance. There's a lot that's up for grabs right now. And you had a chance to, you know, kind of put your foot on everyone else's throats here in the division and say, we are on top. And for another week, we're going to have to sit here and wait. Yeah. All right. Like now, Lord willing, Lord willing, Bills win. We're in first place in the division again. And now it's this continued dogfight on for weeks on end about who can get where and where we go and how we should. And so with that, it's just, this was a, you're right. This is a real opportunity. It's kind of like the way I looked at, you know, some of our losses this year, that Sunday game against the Bengals, where it's like, this was an opportunity to cement yourself somewhere. You've now, 
you didn't lose. <clears throat> it's like it's not like you got bounced out of the playoffs. It's not like you can't still win a division or have a home playoff game. But what you did was you made a bunch of other things later on that are going to be kind of critical to your like Super Bowl aspirations a lot more difficult. You did it. The Bills did it. Hell, I don't even know what the Jets and Patriots are doing. <laughs> like, I don't even know what they're doing anymore. They're point. losing. Is it called? Can we call what they're doing football? Like legally? No. Are we allowed to call it football? <laughs> no. Did you see that? Did you see that Jets Giants game? That was like that thing. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know how it's possible. the The Jets and the Giants. Forget the Giants because the Giants were starting something called Tommy DeVito. Look, I, I I pride myself in like knowing all these teams. And, like, I could tell you, you know, the starting offensive lines of everybody in the AFC East. But I'm watching that game, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, who the hell are these people? Yeah, the Tom, Giants Tommy are, are DeVito, playing. Syracuse University, <laughs> University legend, Tommy yeah. DeVito. But what was great about that game is that the Jets had 17 possessions. 17 <laughs> and scored a grand total of 13 points. 17 possessions. See, and Elf, I love that you're buying into the spirit of what this show is at its core. It's that even if things don't go well for me, and even if they don't go well for you, at least there's someone out there that we can punch down on. And that's why I love you. Man, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and where they can find all of your guys' content over three yards per care. Uh, You can go to our, our Twitter page, and it's the number three yards per carry. And you could check uh, our pin tweet there if you want to become a member of OnlyFans. It's just $3 a month. If you want to listen to our content, it's the number three yards per carry. Again, it's anywhere you get your podcast. We're available. All right. Guys, this is fun. It might be, like, again, a, d- a down week for the AFC East, but ultimately we find a way to have some fun with it. But we got to get out of here for tonight. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your AFC East Roundup. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.